Good morning, Real Life family. Welcome to Easter 2020 online. I am glad that you are here with us this morning and uh, joining us for this huge day of celebration for those of us who believe in Jesus and His resurrection and all that comes with it. Today is a really, really good day. And so, in fact, this is the, a day that's been celebrated by believers for thousands of years, all the way back to the beginning when God's people uh, came into the promised land. And from the minute they came into the promised land, they were at war with their neighbors. They fought with the Midianites, the Canaanites, the Philistines, and, and they were oppressed by Assyrians and Babylonians. And, and some 1,200 years later, they're allowed to return to the land. And as they returned to the land, it wasn't much longer, and they were oppressed again by Greeks and by Romans. And God's people did what they've been doing for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. They cried out to God for help, for rescue from their oppressors. Then Jesus arrived on the scene. Could he be the one? He, he performed miracles. It seemed like he was the one that was chosen by God. He, he healed many people and did miraculous things. He, he taught the scriptures with authority and he garnered these huge crowds that would surround him and, and come to follow him. And then as Jesus approached Jerusalem, Thousands of people lined the streets. The, the sound grew and echoed through the, the narrow streets, and, and it was deafening. And they, they lined the streets with palm branches and cloaks as if they were paving the way for the arrival of a king. And Jesus rode in on a donkey, on the, the foal of a donkey, a colt. And in so doing, he fulfilled the prophecy that was spoken about him in Zechariah 9.9. In Zechariah 9.9, it says that, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Hosanna, the people shouted over and over. They shouted, Save us. Five days later, Jesus was hanging on a cross. And the disappointed Jesus followers were hanging their heads, almost in disbelief, their doubts and worries seemingly verified. The claims of the opposition must have been true, right? Was he the hope for Messiah? Maybe not. But the thing is, he was. He was the hope for Messiah. But the people wanted salvation from their oppressors. They wanted a king. They wanted a a military victory, an overthrow. But, but what God promised and what Jesus delivered was salvation from a bigger enemy, the enemy. And that's the same salvation that Jesus brings to us today. And, and by dying on the cross and rising to life on the third day, on this day, Easter Sunday, this is what we celebrate, the, the resurrection of Christ. And we celebrate so much more than just the resurrection. It's, it's all that it symbolizes. It's, it's all that comes with it, that with resurrection comes new life, comes a way to be right with God for each and every one of us, a way to be forgiven for our sins. The, the fact that even today, every one of us can be forgiven of every mistake we've ever made, every mess up, every, every screw up we've ever had in our lives can be forgiven because of what Christ accomplished by conquering death and raising from the dead. 
Paul talked to the Romans, and in a letter to the Roman church, he wrote it like this in Romans 6.23. He says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the Bible calls that gift salvation. And by placing your faith and trust in Jesus, you can have that salvation. And you see, that is the good news. That salvation message is the good news. But the, the problem is far too often... People stop right there. They, they hear the good news. They receive salvation in Christ, and, and that's as far as it goes. And initially, they're excited about their newfound faith, and, and, and they, they even think that there's some security, that they've got, um, they're free from what is potentially the torments of hell. They, they may even ponder a little bit about what it's going to be like in heaven, about how good it could be one day. But then what happens is, over time, that initial gratitude begins to fade. That initial excitement and fervor about their salvation begins to fade, and they, they think less about hell. They think less about heaven, and they go back to just sort of trudging through life with this faith that was this distant thing that they one time did. And really, their life isn't any different than the life they were living before they received salvation. They, their life isn't really changing. And that's, it's devastating because it's not the good life that Jesus came to offer. Jesus came to offer so much more than just salvation. He came to offer us kingdom citizenship to become members of this kingdom that he said was at hand right before us that we could enter in and be members of this kingdom and we could receive a good life, an abundant life, a peace-filled life, a, a joy-filled life, a spirit-led life. There's so much more beyond salvation to the good life. And Jesus said it himself in John 10.10, 10, it records it like this. He, he says that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, right? Jesus said He came so that we could have an abundant life, a full life. You see, Jesus comes to offer way more than hell insurance. It's not just about forgiveness for your sins. It's not just about salvation. It's not even just about eternal life in heaven after death. Jesus came to offer us life now. And the life that He's offering us now is abundant and full. And when I think about that life, I think about the good life. So this morning... I want to share with us a few ways that Jesus offers us this good life. And first of all, I want you to know that Jesus offered a good life that was not overly complicated. Contrary to popular belief, following Jesus was not supposed to be some hard or almost impossible feat that only the most religious elite or perfect people could accomplish. In fact, Jesus' offer that He made for this good life paints a very different picture than what most people imagine. We can see his offer and what we're talking about in Matthew 11, verse 28. It starts like this. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I think over the years, a lot of Christians have read this passage or heard it taught, and we get this idea of a yoke, and people use this uh, yoke like this, this, this apparatus that's designed to attach uh, two cows or two oxen to each other. 
and, and we use this as a metaphor that Jesus is offering us a, a easier yoke. And I don't know about you, but when I think about being strapped into this thing, and you say, oh, Jesus is going to offer us an easier one. It's like, well, does that mean that his has padding? Like, I don't know. When I, It just doesn't work for me as an analogy because when I look at a yoke like this and I look at pictures of what they look like when they're hooked up to oxen, they're, they're this heavy weight that's involved. There's work involved. It's this this, this thing where you've got to be strained and, and, and to, to pull the weight and hold it together. And yet Jesus is supposedly using something like this, that it's all about hard work to give us a story about that following him is easier. And so it just doesn't line up. And so what I want to make sure you understand is that in the metaphor Jesus is using here, when he talks about a yoke, this has absolutely nothing to do with the yoke that Jesus is talking about. In fact... In Jesus' day, the yoke that he was referencing was the way that they described uh, how a rabbi taught and interpreted scriptures. And so however a rabbi taught the scriptures and interpreted how to live them out was called his yoke. And so for a follower of a rabbi, you would take on his yoke, right? And so you would be taught by the rabbi, and then you would have to live out or follow the scriptures the way he interpreted them. And in Jesus' day, the rabbis had really heavy yokes. In other words, they had added and added and added all of these rules and regulations and restrictions to how you would actually live out the scriptures. And it made it almost impossible, if not entirely impossible, for people to actually live out and, and, and behave and, and obey and, and walk out the scriptures. And I think for a lot of people, this is the, the way that you had grown up in church, the way that you've grown up as a Christian. I think for a lot of people, they, uh, they grow up around well-meaning people who continue to come from a good place. They mean well, but they keep adding on rules and restrictions and do's and don'ts until your idea and your picture of what it looks like to live out the scriptures, to actually do what Jesus taught, is so bogged down. It's so difficult that, that it, it just becomes impossible. And so you're stuck in this lose-lose situation where you want to follow Jesus and you want to live out the way that, that the people are teaching you to follow Jesus, but you're stuck in a predicament where you feel like you can never do it right. But along comes Jesus and he makes a new offer. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, like who are wore out with the rat race of life, right? They're, they're tired of trying to do religion and, and, and make it all right in their own strength. Jesus tells those people then, and those of you now that are living that way and have grown up that way, he says, come to me. I offer you a good life, a life that's, that's an easy yoke, an easy burden. And if, you, if you're willing to follow my teaching and live out the scriptures the way I interpret them and I teach them, he says that it will bring rest for your soul. You've got to understand that following Jesus is not like the other rabbis. Following him isn't overly hard or or complicated, and following Jesus shouldn't wear you out. If we're actually following Jesus the way He teaches, and we're, we're walking out the Scriptures the way He interprets them, it should actually bring us rest for our souls. Now, the next thing we need to remember is that we have a God who fights on our behalf to give us the good life. 
in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 20, verse 4, it says, For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies and to give you victory. And when you read a passage like that, you might be thinking, unless you're in the military, you're probably not going to war anytime soon. So do you really need a God that's going to fight with you and fight for you and give you victory? And the reality is you are in a war. Whether you like it or not, there is a spiritual battle going on around us. The scriptures tell us that we're not at war against flesh and blood. It's not against your mother-in-law or whoever you're trapped in quarantine with or your neighbor that's driving you nuts or your boss that's treated you unfairly. Like That's not who the war is with. The war is in this unseen world, this unseen realm around us. There are spirits and angels and God is at war and at work fighting for us to give us the good life that Jesus offered. And we get this a great picture of this in the book of Daniel chapter 10. Daniel gets this vision and it really is troubling to him and he's having a hard time understanding what it means. And, and he prays and he's asking and pleading with God, asking God for help to understand this vision. And, and he's not getting any response. He's, if there's not any clarity coming to him. And so he begins to fast and mourn and, and he stops eating uh, meat and choice foods and drinking wine and, and he holds on and he's just clinging to this time of prayer and fasting. And it's three weeks later, finally, an angel appears to him to explain this vision that he had. And, and you may be wondering, like, what took so long? Like, isn't God God, right? Like, how did it take three weeks for this angel to get to him? But if you read in Daniel, you, you see that there is this war going on in this unseen world where God dispatched the angel to go and help Daniel understand his vision. And yet the, the, the angel encountered a, a spirit, a demon on the way. And there was this fight and there was this battle and, and, and there was an opposition to this angel getting to him. And so God dispatches the archangel Michael to come and help him. And he fights this demon on, on, on Daniel's behalf. And this, this other angel finally arrives and gets to him to help him understand and we get this picture that there is this battle going on in this unseen world. And we've got to understand that, that we can call upon God. We can ask Him to fight our fights for us. We can ask Him to help us understand the things that are going on in our lives that we don't understand. But we also have to understand that there is a war going on in this world we don't see. And we can be reassured by the story, like the story in Daniel and others in, this, in the Bible, that, that we have a God that is willing to fight those fights for us. That He's willing to fight on His terms, in His territory. And that's where the battle is really at hand. And so, be re reminded and encouraged that you have a God who will fight against our ultimate enemy. And lastly, I want us to remember that Jesus lifts us up during our worst times in our lives. Like, there are going to be times in our lives where we're going through terrible things and we, we think to ourselves, how could we ever get through this circumstance? How could we ever carry on through this situation? I know for a lot of people in our church, even over just the last year or even months, there are people that have gone through tragic loss, who have had devastating health reports, who have had difficult things going on in their marriages, difficult thing going on with their kids. Like hard things happen in this broken world that we live in. And yet God is there for us and he will carry us through. Like God actively is at work, even in the worst of times, 
to bring us this good life that Jesus offered. And the psalmist said it really well. In Psalm 55, verse 22, he says, Cast your cares on the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Cast your cares on the Lord, and He will sustain you. I've got to tell you guys, it was about a year ago, yesterday, that I got one of those phone calls that every one of us hopes is a phone call that we will never get. I got a phone call from my mom, and she was shook up to the point where she could hardly talk. She was sobbing deeply, and I knew the minute I heard her on the phone, I knew it was a horrible phone call. I don't even really remember exactly what she said, except making out a few of the words that it's about your brother. He did it. He's gone. It's been a year, and it's, it's really hard, even right now, to muster those words out of my lips. And I know at that moment, when I got off of that phone call, time stopped. I honestly thought my heart was going to stop. It really sucks talking about it even right now. But what I know is that I walked out what that psalmist said. I walked out casting my cares on God. I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know where else to go. I didn't know who else to talk to. I knew nobody had any wisdom for me, any advice for me, except to just go to the Lord and cast my cares on Him. And so that's exactly what I did. I told God about all of it. I, I, I told Him the hurt that I was feeling. I told Him the anger that I had, the frustration, the disappointment, the regrets, the wish I would have done it differently. And all I can tell you now, a year removed, on the other end of it is that in those days, in those weeks around that event, I honestly didn't know how my faith would come through the other side of it. I didn't know how I was going to come out the other side of it. I didn't know the impact it would have on me or my family or or what my witness would be like. Would I really be a a good Christian in front of my family through this terrible time? Like, how would it all pan out? I didn't know. But I can tell you for sure, being a year removed, that God sustained me. God sustained my faith, and, and yes, I hurt. And yes, I was broken and devastated, and my family is broken and devastated, and it is a painful, horrible thing to go through. But my faith is not shaken. And the words of that psalm ring true that that when you cast your cares on the Lord, that, that He will not let those who are right with them be shaken. You can be brokenhearted and have a steadfast faith. And that's what I want you to know is that there is this steadfastness that comes with casting your cares on the Lord, being right with Him and real with Him and talking things out with Him. And so those are some things that I think probably some of you need to be reminded of this Easter Sunday. And these interesting circumstances that we're in, these weird times that we're going through, is we need to be reminded that, that Jesus is calling you to a good life. 
He's not about a list of do's and don'ts. It's not about um, all of the ways you can or can't follow him and how hard it could be or however you thought you learned about being a Christian up to this point. Jesus is calling you to lay down your heavy burdens. Give up the rat race of life. Quit trying to do it on your own. Quit trying to follow God and do all the right things and instead put your faith and trust in Jesus. And he says if you're doing that and if you're living out the text the way Jesus teaches, that you're actually going to find rest for your soul. And I think some of you need rest. I think... Some of you need to be reminded that we have a God that is fighting for us to have the good life. You feel like no matter what you do in life, it's not working out, that everything is against you, the odds are against you. You, you just feel like it's one calamity after another and one devastation after another and one attack after another. And you need to be reminded that we have a God who is fighting for us, that you have a God who is fighting for you. And maybe it's time that you stop trying to fight all your battles on your own. Maybe it's time that you quit trying to do this on your own strength, in your own way, under your own power, and you need to bend a knee and in humility cry out to God for help. Then you need to look up and ask the God who is willing to fight your enemies for you to step in and fight the fight that you're in. And for some of you that are going through tragic circumstances, that there are hard and difficult things going on in your life, and whether it's finances or things with your job situation right now or marriage issues or kid issues, like whatever life is throwing at you right now, you need to be reminded that you have a God who offers you this good life even in the midst of these terrible times, that if you are willing to cast your cares on Him, to tell Him how it really is, to lay it all out there with Him, that we have a God who will sustain you. And He will carry you through even these hard days. So before we switch and move to communion this morning, I just want us to pray together. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to pray, and I'm going to ask you wherever you're at, wherever you're watching this uh, this morning, I want you to just go ahead and stand to your feet. And just join me as I stand before the Lord. And, and some of you need to pray about some of these things that you've heard in this message this morning. And so I'm going to pray for you. And I want you to just pray and be real with God in these moments to come. And so would you just stand, bow your heads and close your eyes with me and join me as we come before the Lord together. God, first of all, we love you and you're a good God. You are our God God, on this Easter Sunday, we remember what Jesus did, that he followed through on the plan set before him as hard as it was, and that, that through his resurrection, Lord, death is conquered once and for all, and, and we can celebrate that today, but even more than, than the salvation that comes with that, Lord, we can celebrate Jesus as a Messiah, a Savior, who really can offer us a good life, kingdom citizenship today. So God, I pray for each and every person that's watching this. As they stand before you now, let this day be a new day where, where never from here forth are they the same person. God, they don't go back to the old life. But they embrace the good life that you offer through faith in Christ. 
God, I pray that there are baptism videos to come because people are choosing to follow you right now wherever they're at. So God, draw people to yourself. Help them embrace the good life that Jesus offers. We pray all this in Jesus' glorious name. Amen. So this morning we're going to finish by taking communion together on this special day. And if you're new with us at Real Life Church in Pullman, we take communion as a part of our service every week. And for those of you that want to take communion with us, um, here, here's how we describe it is we say we have an open table and that means anybody that wants to celebrate the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus is welcome to take communion with us. You don't have to be a member of our church or sign some special agreement. If you believe in and trust Jesus and you want to celebrate, particularly on this day, recall and remember the resurrection of Christ, then please take communion with us. And so we remember on this Easter Sunday, on this special day for us as Christians, we remember that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he gave thanks for it and he told his disciples as often as they get together, let, let's eat this bread in remembrance of his body that was broken for us. So let's eat. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper and he said, this cup represents a, a new covenant, which is his blood shed for the forgiveness of our sins. And that's what this represents, is that through the shed blood of Christ, we have forgiveness for our sins and we can be right with God. So let's remember that as we take the, the cup. Well, this morning we're going to finish with some worship and reflection together. And so I would encourage you to um, crank the tunes, get up off of your chair, and let's just finish by worshiping our God together this Easter Sunday. 